I'm Elia Hubbard for the Beirut Banyan. I just got home. Um, it's the eve of Independence Day and it seems I missed the president's speech. However, it was heavily featured in today's conversation. It brought up the sarcasm in my guest. I met Muhammad today next to the egg, hoping that we could actually climb to the top of it. Unfortunately, it turned out that I could not handle the climb. So we settled in the structure next to it, overlooking the Azari parking lot. Here's our conversation. So if uh, you don't mind, please providing me with your name, age and profession. Hamad Shibli, uh, 40, chief accountant. Hamad, I've seen you around in this past month, all over, day, night, you've been here for a while. What are your thoughts on what happened recently concerning the parliamentary session? There was a talk the previous day, on Monday, there was a, a lawyer called Nizar something. Uh, yeah, he was uh, uh, stressing the importance of uh, not letting them get in and uh, implementing the Al-Afu uh, Am. So uh, that's what we did. Uh, we woke up uh, next morning, 6.30, and uh, we blocked uh, the whole, uh, every, every single entrance to the parliament. Why do you think it was important to block the entrance for parliamentarians? Because keep in mind, those representatives still represent a portion of the people and the parliament's job is to legislate. Why would you deny that to a portion of the people that the parliament still represents? Uh, they wanted to legislate a law that takes them off the hook for past uh, illegal acts uh, which they did. So uh, we, we had to block this, even if uh, they have a portion of the people behind them, doesn't make it legitimate what they did. Um, after this happens, if sometimes in the future, some portion of the people, whether it's small or big, also feels the same about people that may represent you in the parliament, do you think it's a legitimate way of expressing um, discontent? Actually, it is a legitimate way and they have done it before uh, and we just sat there and watched them do it for two years they blocked the uh, downtown area for two years so yeah it's everyone's right these people who support guys in, uh, in power are benefiting from them these people in power play the sectarian card and feed them like uh, crumbles of their lavish tables and uh, those crumbles are enough for these people to uh, to stir the the whole country I know I know they have supporters yes but but I know for me uh, they're supporting for the wrong reasons uh, a bit of money and sectarianism and yeah so let's talk about the others who are not currently in protests. Uh, we're all having those conversations. It's been a month, whether with family members or friends who are very apprehensive about what's going on. How do you navigate those discussions with your family and friends nowadays? My surroundings are uh, like-minded people right now. Uh, and it's been this way for a, for a long time. I avoid uh, people who 
follow other people. I've shed this so long ago, so I don't have this uh, clash with people anymore or with family members. So if it's not a clash, let's say you meet someone over dinner or um, lunch, social occasions, and they ask you, like, why are you there? Um, I'm not going to ask you why you're there. I'm just saying, how do you navigate their um, apprehension? They're just scared. Maybe they have never been on the ground and they're scared of what's going on on the ground. How do you manage those fears? Uh, you have to pay the price of freedom. And uh, it's scary uh, going to the unknown. It's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, breaking your uh, chains, uh, it's not easy. So going somewhere you don't know, it's... it's some people to prefer to be in the bad situation they're in rather than the unknown. It's maybe it's human nature. It's been a month. What have you learned in this month? Whether about yourself, uh, your compatriots, your country, or maybe how about to fight peacefully? What have you learned? Okay. I graduated from AUB in 2001 and like everyone else in the country, I had hopes of not staying in the country of course it's uh, traveling for 20 30 years uh, make my future there and uh, have children and the whole uh, Lebanese dream which is not in Lebanon uh, I suffered in the Gulf uh, and in 2008 I decided to just quit my job come to Lebanon and never again to travel never again so I landed in Lebanon I had no work I had to search for work I found a good position uh, but things weren't that well uh, th things didn't go that well uh, it's not easy living in Lebanon with prices of uh, real estate uh, compared to the salaries we get and each year things were getting worse I started uh, dissociating myself from from my surroundings from the country I didn't I didn't feel I belonged to the to Lebanon and Beirut, the city I love, the city I'm from. I felt like uh, a certain distance. Uh, after this happened, after the 17 uh, October, we went to work in the morning and there was something boiling inside of me. I just wanted to be on the streets. I never participated in any of the protests, not even in 2005 when all of Lebanon was in the streets to fight the Syrian uh, regime. I, I wasn't, I didn't believe in it. Even. This time I was boiling, I wanted to be in the streets. They told us at work that there's no work today, uh, just go home. I went home, I changed my clothes and just went to downtown. We had a march and since day one I, I stayed I was there at 9 o'clock. I stayed there till 12. And I stayed for 12 to 15 hours every day. And it wasn't just some call. It was an inside call. I wanted to be there. I felt I felt I belonged. Uh, I belonged for the first time in so many years. I felt I belonged to something. I even loved the anarchy that was going on inside. Like everyone was responsible for the group they were with for the cleaning up being a good person in a in a small area hey I, I felt I belonged to something that's bigger than me and did you learn anything after that initial rush of feeling that you're surrounded by like-minded people have you learned anything by being on the streets and maybe a lesson on how to move forward 
everyone uh, united under a common cause. Maybe we're not all like-minded, but we have uh, common suffering, which uh, united us. Uh, at first, I felt uh, optimistic. I have hope for people, but I hope they they shed the attachments they have to sect, to leaders, to everything, except for uh, Lebanon and the love you have for the land, not the people. About those people that you said you may share common grievances with, but necessarily they're not like-minded. I was at a talk the other day and someone mentioned um, we all know what we don't want but we don't all know what we want so we, we are in agreement over what we're refusing yes, exactly. do you think it's time to start agreeing on what we want or do you think we still need more time like we need more time in our refusal before we get to what we agree on what we want there's a vast a huge amount of wants for everyone so now I think we should agree on what we don't want on the basics first and I think it needs more time uh, what we want ranges from uh, wanting reform with the same people to uh, just throwing the whole thing and changing everyone and everything and well I think it's uh, it's hard right now it's not that easy when it comes to Beirut, you said that you felt at the time that the city doesn't doesn't resemble you. We're currently sitting next to the egg. How do you feel about Beirut's identity in the past month? I have been in places that were uh, tabooed for us to be in. Uh, I fell in love again with the uh, with the city. I, I had a love-hate relationship with Beirut. I love the city. I hate the mentalities, what it's become lately. I feel the change right now. I feel it. I see it in everyone, almost everyone. Have you seen anything over the past month, whether in real life or online, that you looked at and you were like, is this really Lebanon? OTV mainly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, OTV and everything it represents, uh, the government, uh, what they say, their uh, speeches, they're living on another planet. Where, uh. Now this episode will go live after the president's speech tonight, so it's going to go live tomorrow. Um, what do you hope that the speech will have contained? I hope the president doesn't change his ideas and his uh, speech. Uh, because uh, people are dwindling actually in uh, downtown and we need some uh, ha some help so, so he, he he's the only one who can help with this with uh, his speech can help us uh, can reunite us you said you were here every day and it's pretty exhausting just being physically here uh, whether we're sitting on the ground like we are now whether you're just not getting proper sleep proper food proper hydration how do you also keep up with the uh, emotional stress that we're all going through, whether the high ups or the low downs? How are you coping with that? And what advice can you give to people who are also still on the streets or maybe now at home trying to rest on how to stay healthy? Uh, 
yes, my mental health is fluctuating actually, but the lowest I've been since uh, 17 October is uh, nothing compared to the lows I've been living before. So uh, I do have hope, which gives me physical strength. Let's say in a couple of years, people are looking back at this moment in our history. What do you hope they will remember? I don't think anyone will forget these, uh, this past month, uh, especially the first week. I think they'll remember the feeling they all had uh, that first week. I, I felt alive for the first time in so long. I was seeing this feeling of life in the eyes of everyone I saw. So I think no one will uh, be forgetting this feeling. Elia Haber, signing off from Martyr Square for the Beirut Banyan.